Welcome to the Aggressively Mediocre Podcast, where we watch movies so you don't have to. I'm MJ. I'm Chris. Basically, you know, we're, we're watching movies that definitely happened, but for whatever reason or another, were forgotten to the annals of time. Yeah, you've, you've seen a good movie podcast. You've seen a bad movie podcast. We're that happy medium, or not so happy, depending on the movie. Uh, so basically what we're doing here, we are watching these movies uh, for the first time. Um, for in this case, uh, we watched them twice, um, yes. and then just wanted to uh, to talk through them in a in a positive and honest way. Yeah, yeah. Um, take a take a real good look. You know, actually look at it somewhat critically, but not necessarily too critically, because uh, again, they aren't great movies. But uh, just kind of give give them the chance that they never necessarily got uh, in their normal release. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's that's the housekeeping, right? Uh, are we sponsored yet? Uh, let me check. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, someday. 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 Uh, all right. So today's movie will be the 2007 classic "88 Minutes," featuring Al Pacino, Neil McDonough, um, and William Forsyth. Yeah, William Forsyth, Amy Brenneman. I'm not sure which of these characters you'll pick up on but maybe one of them um, maybe one. You'll, you'll recognize you'll recognize them more by sight than by name they're those sure. it's that kind of movie yeah character actors i think they're called yeah this movie was directed by john avnet and written by gary scott thompson well known for the hollow man and of course also fast and furious but yeah i think the hollow man's the more important uh, it's uh, of the movies excellent uh you can kind of uh i so Chris, I don't know about you. I went into this movie knowing nearly nothing about it. I think I read the snippet. Yeah. I didn't even. I I read maybe a while back that it was about uh, a psychologist who gets a call that he has eighty eight minutes to live. Yeah. So you want to just uh, start with a synopsis? Sure. So uh, film opens up on a a couple of twins, twins about twenty some year olds uh, living in a house, getting ready for bed, you know, and and blasting out their music and. As they are just kind of getting ready for bed, uh, a serial killer breaks into their home, ties one of them up, and does very nasty things to her, ends up waking up the other sister, and she also gets knocked out with uh, halothane, right? Halothane? Halothane. Halothane, yes, that that is an important detail. So after the other sisters strung up, the cat is the hero of the day because uh, it makes some noise and it ends up getting the serial killer out of their house which lets the not dead sister scream which scares the serial killer away a really a happy ending all said and done yeah so so one twin dies and the mm-hmm. next scene is a courtroom scene with al pacino on the stand as an expert witness this scene is is actually starts off one of the biggest themes that i want to talk about in this movie but yeah basically he's brought on as an expert witness uh, and mm-hmm. he's he testifies that the accused the uh who yeah. is jack uh, forrester jack forrester neil mcdonough's character that he will rape and murder again and then uh as as he's convicted he is convicted by by the jury and he cuts that oh i do want to point out real quick though that, that 
a plane starts taking off in the begin like but right there's there's this weird I noticed this scene between the serial killing scene and the courtroom scene where there's a plane trying to take off and I'm pretty sure it's a beaver don't quote me but I'm pretty sure it's a beaver it's a, it's a seaplane yeah. yeah yeah it's a seaplane and it's it starts to take off and then it cuts to the courtroom scene and they have like he he says ah he will definitely rape and kill again and then it cuts back to the airplane continuing to try to take off and then it cuts to the 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 jury finding him guilty and then it cuts back to the plane as it takes off and it says nine years later it's a title card connecting this i don't i have no yeah, idea why it was they... so strange that's such a shitty pilot to take nine years to try to take off <laughs> it's a very very interesting uh, directorial <laughs> choice by Jeff one of Abbott. one of the many interesting editing choices in this movie yeah so all right so after it it's nine years later al pacino wakes up in his apartment with an attractive woman who is yes. naked doing yoga brushing her teeth uh, as song, women do Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Uh, yeah, I noticed that Miss that's Booty no by Barbara, uh, Bubba Sparks. Oh, uh, that's the name of the song. Okay. Uh, I've just heard it, and I've never, never put uh, a name to a face. Because, damn it, this is, uh, this is 2006 now. So he wakes up, uh, an attractive woman in his room. They go their separate ways as Jack Graham, Al Pacino's character, Dr. Jack Graham, Dr. Jack. Uh, goes Very to his office uh, after you know being called there as he goes to his private office before going to teach kids at the University of Northwest Washington. Correct, yes. Yeah, so he goes to his, uh, on, on the way to class after visiting his office, mm-hmm. on his way into the office, he receives a phone call from a mysterious caller saying that he has 88 minutes to live, and this is where, where the, the movie, movie kicks really off. kicks off. Yeah. It gets going. Um, I love it because from this point on, it's uh, it's essentially in real time, which is really yeah. really an interesting choice, and they they handle it mostly well. Yeah, it's yeah. they 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 come back to how much time is left on his his sand timer of death fairly often, and it's well fairly often at first, and then they kind of cut out for a little bit, and they get back to it more at the end. But as far as I could tell, it was definitely in the right minutes like the amount of minutes like oh you now have 79 minutes left was about 70 was about nine minutes after i uh i tracked that actually so i was watching it on my second watch through uh i was following that and besides like slightly speeding it like speeding it up so that it's like you're you're ahead of time it it does this very faithfully um which is actually very impressive probably the coolest thing about this movie yeah so he goes to his class after receiving this death threat teaches his class until a bomb threat yep. forces them out and then it basically takes on a life of its own while he's trying to find this this person who is uh, hypothetically related to the man that he put away nine years ago yeah, yeah because it happens on the anniversary i guess i i think is it the anniversary or is it really just when the the Jack Forster has been slated to be put to death uh, at the end, at the end of the day, basically. Yeah, um, so they're celebrating that this guy is about to die. It's very uh, weird. Yeah, it's a lot of this movie is situations that real humans would not find themselves in. This is true. Yes, yes, very. Uh, including Al Pacino trying to look like he knows how to run. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely not he's he's no uh, Tom Cruise. Let's just say right. that. Yeah, basically he goes through his eighty-eight minutes 
uncovering clues. Wandering around, being suspicious of literally everyone and anyone. And everyone acts so suspicious that's too. True. That's the that's yes. the worst yes. part. Oh god, there's there's a there's a scene when he's like getting the second phone call about the the how much time he has left, uh, where he's in the classroom and he's like, yeah. and he's like, oh god, everyone's a suspect, and like looks around the room and everybody's like shifty eyed and like just like doing glances. At yeah, each other yeah, and yeah stuff. just looking around, and and so it's like, yeah, I guess everyone is a suspect, and he confronts this kid, uh, who get, who goes, yeah. Uh, after looking at his cell phone, he's like, uh, "I was like, what's what's so funny?" And the kid's like, "Oh, I'm just I'm just looking at the Mariners score because it's in Seattle. Because it's in Seattle." <laughs> and Pacino's like, "Well, okay, tell me the score then. Tell me what's the score." And the kid's like, "What's the score? I uh, I don't know. I guess it's... it takes like a minute to compose <laughs> yeah, himself. Yeah, literally. And it's like acting the most suspicious way you possibly can about the score, which he eventually does know. Yeah, uh, it's three one, bottom of the first, uh, and like." It's just everything in this movie is played off so suspiciously. This movie should have been just called Red Herrings. Yeah. So basically, uh, he goes through the day. He unravels the the mystery, which like, this is the densest movie I've ever watched. It, it it's, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. See, the the reason why 88 minutes is chosen is because Doctor Jack Graham, not Jack John. No, Jack. It is it is Doctor Jack Graham. Are they both Jack? Uh, yeah, he's Jack, and his friend is Frank, which uh, honestly really confused me. Yeah, throughout the movie, that's very similar names. It is. Anyway, his his uh, younger sister was kidnapped, or not kidnapped. I guess she was there. Uh, a guy busted into his home as he was delivering a dissertation defense, I think, and basically tortured his sister for eighty eight minutes uh, before killing her. The person who's calling him like this and giving him this this ultimatum knows about this situation uh and is taunting him with it that was and that was uh one of the questions i had the first time but yeah uh, how how do they how do they know about it i know the forester he actually references it a couple times he like he knows about it but i guess if it was maybe a big enough deal when it happened that it was like widespread knowledge so basically, they run around Seattle, right, uncovering things, and it turns out one of his students yes. has been behind it the whole time. Yes. One of his students has been seduced by the serial killer rapist. With uh, admittedly piercing blue eyes. Yeah, uh, and incredibly. It was, it was uh, distracting almost. Um, he's, he's a very gorgeous man, especially just his eyes. It's just, just very piercing. bright blue. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had questions about myself after that, actually. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it turns out this one student of Dr. Graham is behind the the whole thing in and in cahoots with the initial serial killer, uh, John Forster. Yeah. Um, She's a junior attorney for him that somehow is also pretending to be I guess I guess at what point do you think she joined on to the uh, investigation? Um or I guess the the defense of Forrester. It's interesting. So she's uh, she was 28. Age is something they play with pretty liberally in this. Movie. Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of fast and loose. As her alter ego, it says that she checked in to see him in the past six weeks as Lydia Doherty, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, not Lauren Douglas, as we have come to know her throughout right. this movie, and that she is 28. So I guess she's been part of a, a junior staff on his legal team for. A couple years. She said that yeah. she already graduated law school. Yeah, I liked that. That actually that ago. was a good foreshadowing. It plays back. Line. 
So that was really neat, um, but it also seems like he already has the plan in place while he's in the courtroom getting right. sentenced. Because the first time, uh, as he's being put away, the, the serial killer, he goes, tick-tock, doc, which is a recurring thing that the uh, phone calls that he receives keep saying. Thing Turns out it's Lydia Doherty, Lauren Douglas, this one which I have student to say, in his class. As, a, as an alias, using yeah. the same initials. Using the same initials. So is lazy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he, he I saves do want to I was definitely women. suspicious of of Lauren as in like I was like, "Oh no, it's definitely definitely her." She she faked an attack on herself. That's actually the part where I got it too. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, and I know it's because of like meta reasons, like knowing like knowing stories. It's like, "Okay, no, yeah, this is definitely her. This is she did this." But she acted just really I guess she didn't necessarily act suspicious, but... Uh, she kind of downplayed stuff and, and acted in a way that you would act if you were trying to manipulate somebody. Yes. Yes. Um, she she in, in a injured way that, herself uh, to make it seem like the, the killer had attacked her and then sent him on a wild goose chase. In, like, one of the biggest campus parking garages in the world. <laughs> yeah, seriously. First off, I, we've kind of we, we're touching on it. What what are your initial takeaways from from watching this? Like the first time you watched, or or the second time? Like what's the stuff that just well, really jumped out to you? The first time I watched it, I thought it was pretty decent. I thought that it was sillier than it should have been, but I think the an element of that was based on it's very dated. It's very very dated. There's um, a weird amount of clones and yeah. There, there's also there's a weird amount of um, like timing things that like yeah. bring levity in it like the the scene with the cookies and milk. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I that was so fucking weird. Cause like okay, so he's hanging out with these these FBI agents who are who are letting him know that his student was killed, like one of his students was killed, and he's like, he had cookies from the twin sister who survived, who was also celebrating the day that her sister's killer was being put to death. As one does. As one does. And uh, so we had cookies, and then he, like, it took, like, five minutes of him just sitting there, like, you want cookies? You want cookies? Are you sure you don't want cookies? I have, but they're cookies, and they're good. He calls his uh, his <laughs> assistant, second-in-command assistant, like, it's not really clear it's, their relationship. It's really right-hand man. It's, it's, she does, like, so much for him. It's Yeah, impressive. I want to get to that later, yeah. because she's just the best character. She's like, fantastic. No, I love no her. No question. Yeah. There, anyone else is just garbage. Characters. A lot of really uh, shitty people, yes. Uh, but yeah, like he he's like, hey, let's get three milks, and one of them says, I don't want milk, and he says, two milks. No, wait, three milks. You might change your mind. And like, yeah, they so strange. They paid money and used uh time to film the scene. Yeah, turns out Al Pacino uh, just really likes milk. If you go back and watch all of his movies, he drinks milk in every single one of them. Really? Is that like his running? <laughs> <laughs> or his eating things, as Brad Pitt does? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I have no idea if that's true or not. But now I kind of yeah. want to find out. <laughs> it just, it's just, it's some of this stuff is just weird. Like the uh, when his car is bombed, he tackles the girl, and then she said, "Why did you do that?" And there's like mm. a beat. There's like a beat and a half where they're just lying on the floor, and he's like really oh, yeah. weirdly close to this girl who has indicated that she's into him. Yep. And then this, the this car explodes. Girl, and then the car explodes. It was interesting though because the shot of her. Like hitting the button, hitting the, the the fob, was very shot like a okay. The car's gonna explode. Yeah. Uh, and I was absolutely. actually decently impressed that it was it was like wasn't that immediately. And I think that actually it would have been more effective had it actually not been a car bomb. Yeah. I think that it would have been 
just kind of I, I think if they went stronger into his paranoia like that mm-hmm. I think that would have been uh, more interesting yeah the entire movie was just the the entire movie for me was just Al Pacino acting through people he, he never stopped through and around. acting the same way mm-hmm. to the point where like some scenes I swear he was on a green screen <laughs> yeah they actually got um, him in post it's, it's photoshopped in so I don't mean to be like too negative about this, but like Al Pacino in this movie just goes just he doesn't act to anybody. He doesn't act around anybody. He just does things in a, in a way that I would expect Roddy Rowdy Piper to do it. Like it's it's he's a very talented actor yeah. and besides like one or two scenes, he just does gruff know-it-all the entire time. Gruff know-it-all with like a heavy veneer of paranoia. Yeah, um, and he never stops being stop paranoid. Yeah, even like even at the end, it's it's just like it's. I don't know if they were trying for morally ambiguous or if like it, be, but it all just proves him right, and it kind of pissed me off. Yes, I hundred percent agree. That was that was one of my other big notes about the finale. Is I think it would have been a lot better if Forrester was actually innocent. By the way, uh, the case that happened. If there wasn't any evidence and the circumstantial stuff was shaped by an expert witness that was hired by the prosecutor yep. to do this, I don't think Forrester would have been committed in the first place. No. No, especially um, since he got off the first time and the other five serial killings that he did, I guess, Yeah, uh, he was not even called into. But, so. but at the end, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, he totally did this. Like, oh, yeah, he totally did. <laughs> And it wasn't even uh, like like he was denying it throughout. He went on several interviews. Which do you think? Do they actually do I don't interviews think death with row death row inmates? <laughs> That's the, I I saw okay, that. I and thought I was like this is not something that happens. No, I've, uh, I've maybe it's just because he was so handsome. Yeah, with, with um, piercing blue eyes like that. I mean, how could you say no? But anyway, he's he's denying it left, right, and center. Like uh, he does have some weird lines that are like playing into the TikTok motif of the the killer. Which uh, actually, I like that part. Yeah. I, I liked he, he one of his lines was like wh- how would you feel if you looked at your watch and knew you only had minutes to live yes I like that a lot too overall yeah. I think that it would just would have been better if he didn't do it once it once it got down to like the the final uh, talking on the cell phone to to Forrester directly it was literally just like I I totally did it something about that Forrester was to me one of the best characters the only thing mm-hmm. was he was only one dimension of character right yeah, it was like a really like, good dimension, like a really well, like a really interesting dimension, no doubt. One of my favorite things about it was in the the courtroom scene at the beginning, you can see he cl- uh, his lawyer is clutching his hand, indicating that yep. like I was like, oh, like he's he's totally doing this. Like uh, one of the big things that comes up a lot is Al Pacino uh, being a forensic uh, you know psychologist yes. and talking about these other serial killers. Mm-hmm. how they're you know they're all lady killers the the ted bundy's the the john wayne gacy's yeah. etc neil madonna plays john forrester that way and it's it's really good yeah because he's always doing the the manipulative seductive male character mm-hmm. that's i thought was one of the smartest choices of the that's movie. actually something that in in all of neil mcdonough's parts that i've seen which is, is mainly from Desperate Housewives. He's really good at making you unsure whether or not he's a killer, even though yeah. he is definitely a killer. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like so, some some of my initial takeaways were just like, 
what the fuck is with the plot? Uh, yep. Can we curse here? I, I have been. Yeah, it's like, what's going on with the plot? Because, like, this movie, as I said earlier, this movie is so dense. It just feels like someone wrote a quilt. Like, yep. I, it just, everything is is so interconnected in ways that is that would be smart if it was done well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a lazy execution is the thing. Yeah, it's not like, necessarily a bad execution. It's just a lazy execution. This is one of like this is a really cool movie in all that they try to do. Yes, and I appreciate so much about this movie. But it's kind of like you know, hey, here's that thing that you like, like it. Mm-hmm. If someone like threw like hamburger meat at you, uh, it's um, yeah. which is not to say this is bad. Like this is a, a movie that's definitely worth it's, seeing. It's kind of a fun, definitely fun first watch. I don't necessarily. I wouldn't nec- recommend it if you don't like Al Pacino. This is Al Pacino just being his Pacinoist. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the first watch was really cool because you were kind of caught up in this. Yeah. In this mystery, like noir and there were thing. some really good tension scenes. Um, oh, absolutely. One of the, one of the biggest things, one of the things that sticks out in my mind, I've been, I write a bit, but like there's a something that. Oh, Hitchcock said that is like if you want to create tension in a scene, uh, you put a bomb under a table, or if you if you want to create surprise in a scene, you put a bomb under the table. If you want to create tension in a scene, you show the audience the bomb, but not the characters. Yeah, this this movie is really good at dramatic irony, mm-hmm. just not in ways that make sense for humans. Yes, it's definitely very contrived. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite part of the movie? I there's two lines that I just really loved. What for different reasons. Um, one of them was also in the uh, in the parking garage. Different guy on a motorcycle. He talks to Mike Stempt, who right. is who plays Jim Gordon. Yes, he's uh, Jim Gordon in Gotham. Actor, yeah, it's the actor who plays Jim Gordon in Gotham. Yes, and he he's stops him on the on this motorcycle, and he said like they they go through this thing because like it's just. You know the 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 story is unfolding to everybody, and for whatever reason, this med student, you know, Doctor Jim Gordon, right, uh, yeah. is the dumbest character in the movie. He really is. Uh, he's like three steps behind everybody, and it almost gets him killed, but like not in a good or smart way. But he has like he asks the 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 or like they're having a conversation. And at one point, Al Pacino says to him, "It's my job to be convincing." Yeah. And the other guy said, I thought it was to be right. And that's like, and that actually, that's like one of my favorite themes in this movie mm-hmm. is, is like him as an expert witness doing his job versus him doing his job as a, uh, as a psychologist. Right. And some of this is like, and it plays into Al Pacino as being this flawed character and like bringing in a lot of this like bias and, and hate because his sister got killed. And then just kind of abandons that. Yeah, um, and then it just kind of, you know, he's right though. But like he's right though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like it's, it's so, so disappointing. So that was that was one of my favorite movie or one of my favorite exchanges. Right. The other one was he gets an unmarked package delivered to his apartment, mm-hmm. um, and like this temporary receptionist guy with a fake mustache. That guy was um, great. He had like a reverse it. Hitler mustache. He's being really super intentionally so suspicious. suspicious. Like, these sharing glances with Kim and stuff. It yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Never um, paid off. But he, he gets this package, and, you know, he brings it up, and he takes out this device 
meant to sense vapors. Yep. Um, that is not a real and, device. Yeah, and it goes off for a second, and it has, and then like it basically had a uh, a gas mask on it one second, and then had a smiley face on it the the next yep. second. No, it it looked like he was using a TI eighty three calculator. Yeah, just uh, waving it over. So so he says, "Not a bomb." Kim says, "That's good," and he takes a second, and then he says, "Yeah," and I'm <laughs> like, it was it was so mm. monumentally jarring. Mm-hmm. In, in the movie and there's a couple other scenes like that but like that one just had me it legitimately had me laughing and this movie this movie's not laugh out loud bad it was no. like expecting nothing from this movie it was encapsulating it was right. it was really worth seeing but then when you know what you're watching you can't watch it the same way yes uh it was really interesting uh there were actually several times that i i laughed out loud one of them was the the picture of Al Pacino when he was he he got uh was it phoned in he phoned into MSNBC yeah uh to talk to to Forrester as yeah. he was being interviewed and the picture that they used for him was so funny it was just this really really bad picture of Al Pacino and it just made me laugh really hard and it was clearly Al Pacino and not his character mm-hmm. because his character looks like this weird like shorter tan version of ben stiller throughout this yeah. entire movie yeah or just um, just like the, a little bit the ancient aliens guy yeah it, he's but got like this, aged like, this bird's nest uh yeah. like wig or, or hairdo or or whatever and he plays it all so straight which i i really appreciate yeah like no one in this movie no one in this movie broke so like the the acting is at the very least consistent yeah um in a way that you can really appreciate what they tried to do so yeah no those were my those were my favorite parts of the movie i also really appreciated uh something i noticed there's clocks in every scene which yeah, was a really they, cool they keep that theme of time and watches and clocks pretty consistent yeah the, um, the, which i do like that theme was is is probably the the cleanest throughout the mm-hmm. movie there was also a, definitely a cell phone theme, which was interesting. Yeah, like like they were prognosticating. They also used the word prognosticate, which I appreciate. Did they? Um, hmm. But yeah, like it, they they try to do this like high ground thing about hey, there's limited time. Let's uh, mm-hmm. not be on our phones, and I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into that. Maybe, maybe if if we can can maybe start to dig into some of the flaws and where they could have gone better. Yeah. Um, the big thing, one of the big things for me, I've, I have a few, one of them was the editing, which was all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I have a hard time telling if it was actually because that was just like the style then, but those weird zoom edits where were like yeah. rush into their faces. And the first time we meet, uh, Al Pacino, he's sitting in a witness box <laughs> and it's an over the shoulder shot. And suddenly there's literally a whoosh and we're yeah. in front of him. <laughs> Is it? I feel like that might be a Fast and the Furious thing. I think that that was maybe taken from there. It feels very that kind of thing. Yeah, this, uh, this entire movie threatened to be an action movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, was like, it was like, I'll do it. You don't believe me? You don't believe it'll be an action movie? I'll do it. Here's, here's, yeah. a, here's a fire in an in a apartment complex. It was like it thought it was an action movie, but it really ended up being like the mystery like the the mm-hmm. noir type of thing mm-hmm. but like not good at it yes which um, I, and I, I i am ragging on this this is a and this is a really good movie it was a uh, really okay ways. movie it was a really 
all right to watch movie. Yeah. But I do want to, uh, the, then that actually kind of brings me, the, the whole action thing kind of brings me to my other thing that I really didn't like was uh, Al Pacino acted with absolutely zero pressure, basically. He did yep. not act like he had 88 minutes li- live in the slightest. Yeah. Um, the only point in which he, again, that even that he ran, even though he doesn't run well, like the only part that he ran was at the very last kind of scene where he was running up the building to get to bad guy Lydia. Yeah. The other um, times he's kind of shuffling. Uh, yeah. He's strolling. He's, he's like, and it was like, it, it's, it's hard for me to feel the tension of the 88 minutes. If he doesn't feel bothered by it, like I'm not worried. Right. The only time he even acts perturbed is when his uh, cop buddy accuses him right. uh, of doing this. And actually some of the, best act like there's there's like that that chunk of the the movie from where he tells his teaching assistant um what happened to his sister sister, through that part where he basically has he asks his cop buddy like give me some more time meet me in 10 minutes in my office like and and everything will make sense yeah Um, like that scene where he's like this is a, a setup it would be a lot better I think if it wasn't a setup, yes, <laughs> that's something that like the story of this movie is is trying things and them not going the way they want it to. Again, I think I think there was a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm having a hard time deciding whether or not it was they had more stuff and they got rid of it, or they just tried to do too many things and then like just kind of half did them. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally, I feel like, like I, I understand what you're doing. And I think something that, that really just sung, struck out to me the first time I saw this was I think Al Pacino was in the writer's room. Um, there, I think there Al Pacino, definitely, if it was not, if he wasn't in the writing room, they wrote him, they wrote it with his ego in mind. Right, because it seems to me like the budget for this movie was number one, Al Pacino. Yeah. Number two... Uh, a Backstreet Boys song and a Yin Yang Twin song. <laughs> yes, and like, and also they they really w- like so the in 1997 they play a Backstreet Boys song. Yes, in 2006 to, to help the, facilitate the, movie, the murder, it's like don't uh don't go playing with my heart or something like that. Yeah. I, I I wrote it. Down Quit here. playing games with my heart. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, which is on the nose. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, in the the 2006 the the modern day scenes, it's every every single like scene has a 2006 song in it yeah hey you um, know what? it's it's like uh hiring local but you know for time period yeah so um so yeah al pacino i feel like wrote this movie because his if if yeah if he didn't his ego was definitely in check because one of my favorite things about the movie is al pacino plays a young 30 year old even it, though there's there's a yeah. time skip of about nine years uh it's still he still is playing a lot younger than he actually is. Yeah, so it's I. There's nothing that directly points to this. Um, in fact, uh, they say that he's 28 when his uh, sister is brutally murdered, and right. he moves to Seattle. And then there's at least nine years, which would may make his minimum age 37. Right. And I get that, but the way that he plays his character and the way that he acts around everybody, and the way is that people like a young act man. to him. The, pe- yeah. the way that people act about him uh, is very they're, they're treating him like a younger man He's, he was 67 when this film 
really? uh, was released, and he wow. cannot be playing more than half of that. I don't think I had like any professors that were that old. But uh, right, <laughs> yeah, his age, the age of anybody, was kind of elastic Nebulous. in this movie as 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 it was needed. Again, like uh, the eventual the the killer Lydia, she she was a junior lawyer, but then she also looked young enough to be in a a class undergrad well being an undergrad wasn't even class. Clear if it was yeah. undergrad because it was like there was someone who had already graduated from law school mm-hmm. someone who was in med school right and then a teaching assistant that looked about the same age or younger than those people i didn't know what to think of that because she was i didn't catch it the first time she was teaching the class because she's a teaching assistant correct yes then that, that was she comes in, in and d- does something completely different I di- it didn't make sense to me the first time around. Yeah. Just because the the ages that everyone is playing. Yeah, it just kind of looks like a student sense. was up there just for the fun of it. Everyone looks just vaguely between 25 and 40, mm-hmm. except for Al Pacino, but he still acts in that age. Exactly, yes. Did, anything else that, that really jumped out to you before? I, I want to get into a couple of themes that I noticed. Well, okay, so something that it, it's very hard to get away from in this movie is the treatment of women <laughs> right i i don't want to i don't want to be clickbaity that i don't want to give yeah. a, a, a the wrong thing but i really think that everyone who made this movie hates women at very least like does not have is not very fond of uh has kind of a negative opinion of because because they're they're drawing off of they they play so hard into that serial killers get women thing and also really hard into the women love professors thing which again i think is a is a note for pacino's ego Um, Uh, i want i want this movie to be surrounded by gorgeous 20 to 30 year olds and i want them all to be into me me. (laughs) and i drive a porsche and i drive a porsche and i live in a fancy apartment all of the the female characters for one thing are just super shifty Mm-hmm. Um, just like really suspicious. I mean, all characters are super yeah, it, suspicious. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't mean too much because everybody is suspicious um, or dumb, like Mike, uh, yeah. the uh, Jim Gordon. Uh, Pacino just really uncomfortably touches women yeah. and kisses them. There's there's a scene where his assistant comes in. They're they're visiting uh, the woman that he woke up with uh, yeah. was found killed by them by by Pacino and and his teaching assistant and his assistant comes in and like the way that he like manhandles her around to to get her to not be looking at the the body it it's very strange he also in the scene where Janie Cates not to be confused with the yes. murdered there's oh, Janie and Joni there's Janie and Joni there's literally one letter of difference between these two twins that the actresses aren't twins but they decided to cast Asian so that we wouldn't notice um, which um, I feel I bad also, for saying that it was it was 2006 it was 12 years ago so it was it was just it was weird um, yeah. the surviving sister mm-hmm. gives him cookies and he kisses her twice and said, we did good. Which plays into something really cool later about, like, coaching a, a witness and, like, tampering yeah. with evidence and stuff. Yeah. But, like... The accusation. He's accused throughout of uh, having tampered or slash coached this uh, grieving sister uh, I just, to point out what's his face. It was not something that I think anyone would do to kiss and, and linger that much with a victim of sexual assault. 
Right, right. Because she was still assaulted, or at least had somebody, you know, close to her, directly assaulted. Uh, I think the the serial killer even like he he has sex with the corpse. Yeah, he cuts open her thigh. Okay, that's what I thought too. I wasn't sure if it was like actually like I wasn't sure where the the penis was going. That's that's just what it seemed like. Oh, also, yeah. Um, all of the the um this the scenes with these women who are just in various states of undress yep. are very graphic. It's just it's very uncomfortable. Yes. And and it I don't know what made every, so every single time that they found a body, they were in lingerie pretty much, right? Right. Like, and and hanging upside down in a very intricate set of pulleys and mm-hmm. knots. Uh and like that's the thing too. Like just there's there's so many elements of like okay why did the uh sister who ended up being killed like why was she just walking around with her robe open like i know she was getting ready to do a shower but like she was just walking around with the robe open and you could see like just her her bra and panties like for no real reason just to like show her off i guess yeah i guess it's like hey they won't believe she's a woman if we don't <laughs> yeah. show her in underwear yeah which uh, they do that fairly often the women don't behave like women would when alone right. The women don't behave like women would when near Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kill a lot. And then, and then at the end, yes, the man was behind it, but we don't see any of that. Instead, we have we think about how there's a woman doing, which you th- would think would be empowering. Yeah, woman. Yeah. yeah, so at the end, it turns out it's the uh, it's a it's a woman student who was a junior attorney. And it's one of those uh, things that, again, it's maybe it's just because it's dated. But like, just also just kind of the treatment and like the actions of the women are just don't make quite too much sense. That was one of the biggest things that I noticed on my first watch. Yeah. The the absolute favorite thing was is, is the central like, not premise, but the the, the idea of the eighty eight minutes, and it's really yeah. interesting and frustrating how they do this. So yeah, from from the point he gets the phone call to the end of the movie, that it is approximately eighty eight minutes and with some slight dilation here and there it's it's consistent it's earned and one of the most impressive things about this movie is from that point on with the exception of like a couple flashbacks it's literally just al pacino like yeah. the entire movie is on al pacino in a really cool way actually like i i know that we've said that that he just acts through people and stuff and i guess maybe he was just tired from <laughs> from all the acting he tries to do right yeah uh, because the entire movie is is a is a actually a character study on Al Pacino. And yeah, it's really it kind cool of he he is the focal point, and it yeah. sticks with him again like really really nicely. Yeah, and and we the audience uh, develop more things, and there's there's some interesting stuff that, that that comes through. So one of my favorite things is that they do that. One of my least favorite things is that they do that inconsistently. What we end up getting right. is Seattle is this tiny town. Mm-hmm. Where you can get anywhere in, in in five minutes, less than five. Yeah, like less there's minutes, there's yeah. like a driving scene where he he basically rents a cab from the cabbie. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, think you could do that either. But you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I'll give you a hundred hundred dollars plus tip to take your cab out. You can sit in the back seat. Then proceeds to drive basically slightly faster than traffic. Yeah. Um. Not 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 like gunning it. Like there's a couple things uh like that, but like transit time doesn't exist in this and it's it's mm-hmm. really interesting i made a note here you're familiar with shorthand in film right yes, yes. there's an 
unwritten language that right. filmmakers go by to uh, to basically convey ideas. One of the biggest ones is you know you don't have to show people walking from place to place. You can just kind of cut. Right. You, you cut it between. and people get the idea. Yeah, because most of the time things don't happen in transit, and this movie is the same way. Except they also cut the time. Yes, it's, it's really weird. Like they, you know, first of all, eighty-eight minutes. I would imagine would you just be stuck in traffic for most of that time because he yeah, drives for, all over town. A, a, a populous city, you know, one of those. Someone could not have planned this movie to the minute better than what we're shown in right. a way that it's just not good and like that and it doesn't break the movie that's a, a, a real nitpicky thing but it ends it's, up it's being something that they, they, they promise something and they don't quite deliver it in a completely satisfactory, satisfactory way yeah. it's cool that they do that but what we end up getting is just this this dense uh movie with no no room for levity that you just you have to focus on and when i was focusing on it my second time it was it was a chore it was a little really bit hard work of course, I, I also watched it starting at midnight. That, that was a mistake. It was definitely it was hard to stay awake the second time around. Yeah, uh, um, and I think that's that's just it. Just really goes to show that it, it's it's a one time maybe movie. It's not it's not going to be your new favorite movie that you watch over and over and over and over all the time. Yeah, yeah. This movie it reminded me in some ways of uh, the Prestige, which I think came out the year before. But it's it's really cool because you can watch it one time. And kind of like, and you can enjoy it, but every time after that, you're noticing more things, and it, it's it's not taxing to watch, but it is right. just it's there's more movie to to, to notice. Right. right. Yeah. Kind of like the unfolds. same way, in a bad way. Especially, it, it's they they call back to smaller details, but again, not in a super interesting way, or not not in a way that feels worth it to rewatch. One of my biggest pluses and minuses I guess about this movie is just that they they do this really cool thing mm -hmm. bad and I think that that honestly is probably what tanked it uh, a I mean a a movie that you can't repeat view is gonna be hard to justify taking your friends to like if, if you know yeah. if I saw again maybe like the prestige if I if I went to the theaters and saw the prestige and then was like, oh man, I gotta watch that again. I want to I bring my friends to it. You, you don't necessarily feel that need after watching eighty-eight minutes, no. you know. And and that's gonna be really hard on your box office. Yeah. You know, like Infinity War just passed, you know, however many billions of dollars, and it was not because it, it was it was repeat viewings more so than new people. Do you mind if I talk about uh, another? really cool theme that they tried that depends are you gonna wax poetically or are you gonna wax lyrically i uh can you tell me the difference i mean i've always been curious uh well one you do it in a sing-songy voice sure uh and the other you do it uh in front of a bunch of beatniks who snap afterwards would you count yourself a beatnik uh i, I mean i really am into steely dan so kind of <laughs> One of the things I really liked about uh, this movie that I didn't notice the first time was uh, something that they they get on in the uh, in the um, the lecture scene. Mm -hmm. They touch on free will. And oh yeah, that's right. And that's, they oh uh, yeah, I remember that now. 
it's really cool because they, they touch on free will being this one thing that kind of distinguishes just people who are who are psychotic and I, I apologize it's, I don't know the, the right word for that well it, um, it's it's legal sanity basically it's free will yeah. is what decides that if you do not have free will then you cannot be declared legally sane or, or, or more so if you do not have free will then you are considered legally insane yeah and this point is is made to is is, is made I, I felt like it was going to be a bigger part of the movie than it was Same. yeah it's um, one of those things that it, while you're watching that scene you're like okay so this is going to be something that they talk about pretty often. It's it's one of those, uh, almost like a Chekhov's gun, but like more like very bringing up the theme of the movie up real cl- like real close up to light. And I liked that because they they played it on again at the end uh, mm-hmm. in the in the final confrontation. Yes, between... Lydia or uh, Al Pacino yeah. asked Lydia what made her give up her free will, basically. Yeah, and she says that basically she believes in uh, in John Forster, and I thought that this was actually like this was a really like smart thing about how like she doesn't have her free will, um, and she's going off of faith the entire time. And I thought and like and I looked back and I tried to uh, interpolate that theme across the movie, and yeah, I yeah. couldn't. So I wanted to yes. talk to you about it. <laughs> They have that as a theme, but it feels more like a shoehorn theme than a, a genuine theme. Yeah, right. Almost as if they, they went back after the fact and added that in. Yeah, and I mean, that happens. I mean, that's that's something that I've been dealing with is it's really easy to write the events of a story. It's really difficult to write the moral of a story, basically, and, and right. kind of tie it in nicely. It's, it's one of those ones where it's uh, if you do it right, nobody's going to be sure that you did it at all. Yeah. Um, to to paraphrase an episode Futurama. of Futurama. Yeah. Yeah. If if they maybe got into more detail with that, if there were more things that happened to Al Pacino's character that seemed more fady and less something just that that keeps happening to him. If if like he had gone through, if they made it just maybe seem a little bit more supernatural um, with yeah. the things that were happening. That was interesting. I think one of the biggest things about that, like the free will and stuff, it also kind of comes down to the difference between Al Pacino's character and the John Forster serial killer. Right. Is I thought that that was really interesting that throughout this movie, he's describing a serial killer as someone who influences women and who's, you know, like just kind of shady and, and like unlikable. And about halfway through the movie, when you start to put it together, that holy shit, he, Al Pacino exhibits all of these traits. And then you know he gets uh, he gets like accused by his partner and really that that's why that's played off so much easier than it should have been. Oh yeah. Like his his partner goes to handcuff him and he basically yeah. says, "No, I was sinking our watches." Yes, yeah. I, I wrote that down too. It felt very much like a Martha moment. It was he apparently watches um, is your get out of jail free card. <laughs> it's like you reach no, for no. a cop's gun. You I just say, no, I was it. reaching for your watch. Yeah, uh, although um, this is also, like, everyone, like, Al Pacino's been doing his thing for nine years. More than that, because he's least, been in Seattle yes. for, for, for longer. And now is the day that everyone decides to be shifty. And that's the thing. I think that um, I don't mind the shiftiness uh, if it was made more clear that we were seeing that because that is what he was seeing. You know what I mean? If, if, it, was, if it, we've, we drew kind of stronger into 
he feels that all these people are really shifty and like everything is actually fine i think that would have been more interesting again than just like everybody just deciding to be really shifty for no reason honestly al pacino is so unlikable through this entire movie um, and i think that that's good that's actually a bonus to it i think that or they think that's a a good thing and I, yeah and i think that they could have played it up better though that's the thing is mm-hmm. like at the end of the movie, he literally... Gone harder into it. Like, uh, obviously, under duress, he's being recorded saying that he tampered with evidence and, and he coached a, a, a witness. And, mm-hmm. you know... And I thought that this, like, this flaw in the judicial system, I think a smarter movie would really do that really well. Yeah, that was something interesting that they brought up a few times, is how much forensic psychology has hurt people. I... This might just be me... I had never heard of forensic psychology <laughs> until this movie. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's, he's like, you know, the, he's acting like, A, he does know all this stuff inherently. Um, B, they're treating him a little bit like Sherlock Holmes uh, in his, in his like, inductive <laughs> right. reasoning. Yeah. And he's doing all these things. And yeah, you said a lot of times, like, he is like that, that suspicious, like, paranoid t- type of, uh, you know, uh, putting things together but then mm-hmm. none of it goes anywhere yes like the one person that he doesn't psychoanalyze ends up being the guy the person yep and i think there's they're, they're probably trying to go off of irony for that but i think it would have been better if they if he had if he had like read into her personality and made a mistake like, yeah if he had made a single mistake during this this movie that that's again one of my biggest fixes for the movie is a have it not be sure whether or not Forrester actually is guilty because because they make a pretty good argument for him not being guilty. Absolutely, and, and the fact is, um, I'm not a lawyer. Obviously, I'm, I feel uh, legally obligated to say that. Um, I am. Oh well, uh, good job. I've been busy. Uh, you don't so, know why. Uh, or or as Al Pacino says, my condolences. Yeah, because lawyers suck. Isn't that funny? Isn't it so funny that lawyers are awful? But they set this guy up to be brought in on – I mean, the fact – he is he is the serial killer. We know that by the end of the movie. We know that right. 100%. It's clear. He basically comes out and says it. But the fact is it's not beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's guilty right. in this Right. There's, the there's plenty of reasonable doubt, there's especially considering they make out several times that he – there was no evidence. Yeah, you know, which no – physical evidence. First of all, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent doubt that he like literally like has sex with the corpse. Like, yeah, he he also like it does. It didn't seem like he was like, and I'm not. There's no way that I'm going to say this. That sounds good, but he does not seem professional. The, yes, the way that he like he breaks into the the apartment and he doesn't know that the other person is there. I do not believe that he would be that successful. If he right. was d- doing his serial killing right. on what seems to be a whim, you know? Yeah, it's that it's that Schrodinger's villain of too smart and too dumb at the same time. He plays the character that was written really well. Yes. But the character itself is just not uh, not convincing and not intimidating. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's it's intimidating because it's just fucking gruesome. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a gnarly kind of death scene outside of that outside of it this movie just being unpleasant in parts there's just not a lot of uh there's not a lot of drama or 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 plot happening i guess like um 
I choose to believe that this movie, this 88 minutes movie, is kind of a Wolf of Wall Street thing, where the um, pacing and the the tone and everything is a deliberate choice by the director. Like you know how in Wolf yes. of Wall Street, it's three and a half hours long because it's right. it's a commentary on excess and doing right. that. I yeah. think that this is similar in that it's just it's supposed to be stressful for us. It's right. it's 88 yeah, minutes and it's it's very clearly, you know, intentionally 88 minutes to to stress us out and to to be a part of it. Right. And for that reason, it's well made in some parts, but at the same time, just why would you choose to watch a stressful movie? Yeah, it's it's good if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a kind of a suspenseful movie. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there are also better suspenseful movies, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the other one of the other things is there's a huge plot hole surrounding Al Pacino's semen. <laughs> yeah, not a sentence uh, I thought I'd hear. Uh, not a sentence generally. I thought I'd say today. Um, I mean, after having watched the movie, actually, I was sense. kind of planning that sentence. But yeah. <laughs> uh, um, if you had asked me three days ago, would I use a sentence? use the words Al Pacino's semen in a sentence, I probably would have said no. Yeah, so, you know, APS, uh, Al Pacino's semen, uh, APS for short, um, is a main plot point here because it turns out that multiple women that are dying have APS inside (laughs) of them uh, and Uh, and around them, and it's... um, Hundreds of women each year die of APS. (laughs) uh, Which, by the way, if we've lost you... Stands for Al Pacino's semen. <laughs> <laughs> they they explain it kind of. So the the one night stand that uh, he he had in the beginning was a hired escort uh, who ends up being killed, and so it, it makes sense that his his semen's in her. Well, no, it doesn't because you don't. Well, no, you know he condoms, <laughs> but no, but it was love. It was a one night stand of love, so it's not. Uh, yeah, I just um, so apparently, and this is like they they make it sound so scientific, like like this movie mm-hmm. was really high on CSI, so like forensics. Yeah, he had sex with this escort who was hired by someone else. Uh, it's uh, basically it's it's the Lydia character, the the killer yeah. character, who's who's able to fake uh, Pacino's signature, right. He's, the escort is hired by Lydia to seduce Al Pacino's character, and I guess part of that was collecting his semen. Uh, like, but we'll get there. Yeah. Do you do you think that she did that? Do you think you have to pay or do you extra? Think that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hey, sleep this guy, but then also collect his semen. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I don't. I don't know if you could pay me enough for that, even if I was an escort. It's like, yeah, what, what's, uh, do you think you'd ask, like, what are you going to do with this semen? Yeah, <laughs> that, that would definitely be one of the questions I would ask. I, w- I would want to know. So, so collects the semen, mm-hmm. um, and then later that same semen is found in one of the, uh, in one of the other victims. The, the first yeah. one that, cuts, his, that his, sets off the, his student. the thing. Yeah. Um, which one of his also, students? Which um, yeah. yeah, in the in the Goober interview, in the in the first one, he comes out and says, "I do not have sex with my students, sir." Like like right. in a very defensive way. Um, yeah. So the only way it makes sense. So okay, he has this one night stands with the um, 
uh, escort. An escort that he doesn't know is, a, is an escort, but is at a right. student bar where he is with his students, celebrating a man being put to death as you were as as many are as, want to as do. you would. Okay, so he so he sleeps with this escort. Lydia comes to the escort and to collect collects the semen. the semen. Possibly kills her then. It has to be then. There's no other. It has time. to be then, right? It just um, and then and also then goes and kills what's her face except, uh, kills kills the other student except dale morris dale morris is the, dale is the morris first is her victim her name except dale morris is hypothetically dead by the morning right because because her time of death bet- was between two and six a.m right they, they they actually set that up in going through someone else's alibi and he it wakes was, up at eight forty-five. it's very clear he wakes up right at 845 yeah they, they make it obvious so like with, the woman was still alive at eight forty-five. Um, the escort was still alive at eight forty-five. Somehow, she got the semen from the escort and deposited it in the other woman who died within six, two, and six. Except uh, Al Pacino went home with the escort to her home, the escort's home, no, I... and was with her from theoretically, theoretically with him from like two to eight a.m. So this brings us to a uh, a segment I like to call. Where's the semen? Uh, (laughs) um, No, but it's... Yeah, it doesn't add up. Like, the only thing I can imagine is um, she hands the the semen out the window to Lydia. Yeah, like, tosses... Like, drops it. Like, one of those... uh, You ever do that science project in in In, school? You have to, like, drop an egg out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Only it's semen instead of the egg. Uh, Yeah, or, like, uh, it's like a a pulley system with, like, buckets that they, they hang out the window. Yeah, a Rube Goldberg machine with semen. Yeah, but I and I, I mean I guess it's not super important, but like he's with her. He's with her yeah. that whole night. He's with her that entire time. And somehow I guess she gets the semen in a discreet fashion and also and gives passes it to it Lydia in this like I don't get it. I so I guess the the other implication then is that. Like, he slept with Del Morris, except, A, he adamantly said he didn't. B, he also said that, the that I guess, Lydia uh, took the semen and, and deposited it in Del Morris. Mm-hmm. And, like, how? There, th- the timeline is so screwed up there. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating because that entire line of questioning is, is just a red herring for the audience, too. A hundred percent. Because, like, in the beginning, we uh, we and Al Pacino's character do not know that it's an escort. But I want to reiterate, he's at a student bar with students, and this escort. Yep. It, this is another victim of the the casting director only really casting people who looked like young adults. Yep. Um, everyone looked the same age except for Al Pacino, and even I mean even even. Uh the the assistant they she, all just, she looks roughly the same age as everybody else yeah they they all just seem the same age so there's there's a huge question to us i like i had assumed that it was a student honestly the first time yep. i watched it yep same. um we have this question like oh he's automatically lying or he's automatically defending something so ardently it just, yeah, me, it's, me thinks the pacino doth protest too much it just ends up being a mess uh, of semen yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, semen everywhere where it shouldn't be really. So where yeah. it has no logical way of getting. Yeah. Also that that was a big thing for me. Yeah. 
it didn't again like that kind of thing that kind of nitpicky thing didn't break the movie right for me but like them consistently having that kind of like disregard for timelines in a movie that's ostensibly about time it just it really it it was but not the movie about time i just want to make that clear yeah i don't want to watch the movie about time uh but we could that'd be fun uh, is that is about time it is yeah it's uh 2013 is it the one flick. with uh with justin timberlake and olivia wilde no that's in time in time okay and also it's not olivia wilde it's amanda seyfried shoot i'm pretty sure let me in um, time yeah we're yeah amanda seyfried yeah uh what so which we could do but i don't really want to uh can i pitch to you what I think would be a better version of this movie. I would love that. So firstly, I think that 100% get rid of the first scene. I don't think that you need the serial killing. I don't think that you even need the court scene, to be honest. The only good thing of the court scene was the touching the hand like that. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I say something I noticed about the opening scene? Sure. The opening scene really wanted to convince you that it was Seattle in 1997. Yes. Yeah. I, that was the only thing that that scene added like really added to the movie um and the fact was it didn't have to be in seattle and it didn't have to be in 1997 nope like like, that was 100 percent their choice there was part of the special about that time period yeah uh, like part of the thing that was frustrating was like part of the movie is he moved from new york i think Mm -hmm. that that would be fine to have that in an indistinct city Mm -hmm. uh that opening scene or or even have it in new york and be part of the reason that he's here yeah. Like uh, the, sorry. Keep continue, please. Okay. So get rid of that first scene. Uh, get rid of the court scene. Start like and then with the airplane taking off. Yeah. Start with the airplane taking off because you you still gotta have the airplanes. The airplane thing has to still be in there. Yeah. There's there's no negotiation with that one. But anyhow, I think that you actually it would benefit if Kim was actually the surviving sister. I think that. There are there are some redundant characters mm-hmm. um, that I think that it would streamline a lot if uh, she was, you know, like also this. You know what I mean? I don't think that yeah. necessarily needs all of these different women. And I thought originally maybe like f- fixing it with the dean because th- there's a scene there's a scene at the end where um, dean scene. there's a dean scene at the end uh, where when he's confronting Lydia and Lydia has the dean hanging up uh, over a basically a seven-story drop and also has kim in a chair for no reason right like i don't think that either basically basically kim did not need to exist in the way that she did yeah uh, yeah you're right because she think just that, like beats her but like yeah, yeah for no reason like she's not a she's she's not a tool i mean i actually honestly you could probably just get rid of kim yeah uh, like, especially since i wasn't super impressed with the ex-husband storyline they, and yeah, also, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, Kim is only attached to this red herring character, and the most like, and just, I, th- I feel like they were going for sexual tension. Yeah, but it's just so ham-fisted. Early twenty-year-old and Al Pacino. It's just she, like she's not uh, early twenty, so she. Oh, sorry, late twenty-year-old. Sorry. Yeah, so she like she in undergrad, she d- partied too much, drank too much, and got met Guy LaForge. Which I Take feel that like that's a, a name. That's like a 
Skyla Forge, I'm pretty sure that's like a reference to something, and I yeah. really want to know what it is. I'm my my first was was uh, Jordy LaForge, uh, the the Star Trek character. Let's see, mine was Guybrush Threepwood from uh, Monkey Island's okay. point and click game series. But so so this guy, right? Yeah. Uh, she's basically. I mean, the only thing Kim really adds to this movie is some red herring. half baked, yeah, some half baked sexual tension and a, a red herring that is taken out halfway through the movie. Right. So I figure if you're going to have somebody playing a similar role to her, I think having it be the twin who you know, literally the one who only survived. exists in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Exactly. Exactly. And she does she has no role otherwise. Why not make her more important? And I and I you know, they, and they can have history there and I think even having her be interested in Al Pacino is a little bit more organic. It's not great still. No, it's it's uh, that's like uh, it would be like a toxic relationship, but we'd yeah. understand it a little bit better. Yes, exactly. So that, uh, and then the other big thing is when it comes to the eighty-eight minutes, I want it. I would. I would like it to be a little bit more, like well, a a little bit more like he's he's actually believes that there's a threat to him and actually acts like it and actually moves like it. Um, yeah. But the other thing is, I would love if it was a lot more like that episode of High Met Your Mother, where there's that number counting down. Yeah, like, like if you could, more subtle. Yeah, yeah. basically, but like have it so that there are like numbers in the background counting down yeah, from 88. They, they already had clocks. Well, and right. they already had clocks in it the entire time. Right. They set up from the beginning not only how much time is left and what time it currently is, but the time that it will be. So yeah. maybe they didn't trust their audience to be able to use a clock. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like shots. it would have been stronger if they they had made that more pressing on the audience. Yeah. Like there, I mean, there was that middle part where they like, so they went from, I, I wanted to go through, I thought about going through and kind of like counting when all the times were and, yeah. and like marking what those are. But no, like, but, but like they did like, uh, so it's they did 88 like minutes. five in the first 20 minutes. And then 79 minutes and then. 76 minutes and then 72, 72 minutes. minutes you forgot and uh, then, they did 83 minutes in the classroom too so that's five uh, and then they did like 50 minutes like there was a good 15 20 minute chunk where there was no reminder of the time i have a feeling and uh, i don't know did you watch the trailer no i didn't so i went back and watched the trailer after uh after the first viewing and a lot of those were in different places a, a lot of the, the the things were in different places which tells mm-hmm. me there's a good chance that this was was edited, and and that okay, might be that, why. That's what I felt like. Yeah. There wasn't the uh, the the as it wasn't as pressing in the middle. Right. Is like they they wanted some more um, liberty with it. Right. But what ended up happening, it just was kind of messy. That's a real shame because I, I I think that would have improved it significantly. And then some of the other things that I would change again, I I kind of touched on this earlier, but making it so that. Kind of, kind of bringing that free will, kind of tying it better into the story, is to have it be like, basically things that the killer is planning and 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 has and pulls off, but have them be less artificial and more organic. Basically, like like calling him when he's at like a, a stoplight, and it's like, oh, you know, traffic sucks, doesn't it, or something, and just like just something basically, you know, letting him know that he's following the plan that. That has been uh, set out. The killer set, yeah. Yeah, because like in the beginning, they 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 do that in a really good way, mm-hmm. but it just ends up being like the killer is magic. Yeah, 
Like my, the biggest plot hole for me was how. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's explained later because um, it's it's explained as being like an automated dialing system right. and everything. Yeah. But it's just like that that automated dialing system knows exactly where, and they've designed these um, the visuals to go along with it that happen exactly in time. Because when you think about it, there's literally only one minute that each of these warnings is good for. Is effective for, yeah. And I think movie, the 17 minutes go on for longer than it's. Yeah, like this movie dawdles entirely too much, mm-hmm. but it's in a really bad way because it just it ends up being like economical too, which is really frustrating because they use the shorthand to cut out the parts that aren't necessary, but instead just end up putting in other unnecessary parts. Right, like right, the and then you dialogue. end up like, like, wow, he he really he got across town in a minute because you're telling us to keep track of the time, and we are, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's one of those things that like they're telling you, okay. This is how long it's going to be. And then they still use the normal kind of editing tricks to, to get people places. Yeah. So, like, but then, in, like, you're still supposed to assume it's been, like, this amount of time. So in the back of your head, you have this, like, weirdly jarring judgment of the time that has passed and the time that should have passed. It's, it's I like, think he has, yeah. he has five minutes to go from his office to this building where the final showdown happens. And I don't know if anybody on production had been to college i don't know are there any two buildings like at at i understand what you're saying i think that it's unlikely that any like that any decent sized campus which the university of northern washington is going to be roughly based off of like an amalgamation of the university of british columbia and the university of washington itself right um i don't think that any good sized like a no well known state decent. college university is going to be it's going to be hard to get from any two buildings in five minutes none of this breaks disbelief none of this like mm-hmm. ruins it it's just it leaves a sour taste in your mouth for right. what w- could have been possible over promises under delivers you know that, yeah. that's pretty common you know especially in kind of blockbuster movies yeah what i did want to bring up also was i don't I think it would be better if Forrester didn't do it, like I said. Yeah. Um, I think that it doesn't necessarily mean that Pacino did uh, do the stuff that he was then set up for, but I think it would have been more interesting if if, if Lydia was doing it not at the behest of Forrester. I think if she was doing it on her own, I think that even if she was not actually her lawyer, his lawyer – uh, in any regards, I think that if he if she was just a fan that did this crazy thing, it seemed weird to me that um, that like there's this person that wants to torture him, and she happens to be in his class. It there were like three levels of convenience, right? That I wasn't crazy about. Right. Also, uh, something that I struggled with the first time I watched it, well, a question I came out with was um, like. What does the eighty-eight minutes have to do with John Forster? Yeah, um, that that was that was one of the bigger flaws. Is somehow it, it relates more to the Doctor than it does to Forrester. So why is Forrester using it? Why is Forrester using this this motif? Right. Uh, because he like he is uh, at the end he is set up as the mastermind. So I guess he just really did his research into what would bother him but like hypothetically he wouldn't have known about that until he got the tape which is set up as being 
about six nobody has weeks it before yeah. the, 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 the the bomb that he was delivered that that was delivered to him except it wasn't a bomb it, it was a tape that yeah. had the suffering of his sister on it that only existed in two places uh one was a the the NYPD locked NYPD, evidence yeah. locker or whatever and the other was he had it and in so like his locked a very special secure area yeah how would how would Lydia or Forrester know that that tape existed how would they know where to find it like I, I can get once they know how to find it like I can get her seducing the um, right hand person mm-hmm. to to get her like to get the stuff like that that's fine like I get it but like I don't know how she knew about the tape like that's yeah, the big thing for me it's the the main thing like I was expecting and that's that's a part of the reason I thought that the first scene should have been should have been Forster in New York and related to Al Pacino somehow I thought it yeah I thought it should have been Forster and like that's why he escaped but now his past is coming back to to haunt him and his past is coming back to haunt him but it's only in a literal dickish way yeah i mean it's it's yeah. if it was 88 minutes if 88 minutes was related to the forster case and he was trying to play on the guilt that al pacino had for convicting a possibly uh innocent man innocent man yeah if it was like you know your, your timeline works so well except for these 88 minutes when he's unaccounted for like that would be more interesting that'd that be would such, be more that'd be a cooler movie yeah exactly um what what it ends up happening is just this guy who's being I mean, understandably antagonistic towards Al Pacino, based yeah. on the, what's what's set up. But at the same time, it still feels disproportionate. What, like, why uh, didn't he go after the lawyer that put him if away? They could, why didn't if they he go after the judge? That, if they could claim that it was Forrester who killed his sister, that might make sense. It's literally it's, it's very dropped clearly in not. one part. And yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's my biggest problem is that this movie like you said it overpromises and underperforms there's just a lot of things in this movie yeah. that i'm just sitting here just being like oh that and didn't, I think that that's, that didn't go anywhere yeah uh, it's one of those things where i think this is going to be something that we run into pretty often audiences are really forgiving in that way they'll get what you're trying to go for and so they won't consider it bad because of that but i don't think that execution is definitely so difficult it's really yeah. really difficult and one i get thing, that one of the things that i like that that comes to mind like not even thematically but like they introduce a lot of characters in this in this movie that just that aren't relevant right i thought that the fbi people in the in the first scene uh which so by the way the names amazing i would Jeremy. i would definitely sorry real quick i would definitely cut that scene too that yeah. scene was not necessary Early in the movie, two FBI guys basically come and confront Dr. Graham, uh, Al Pacino's character, about his role in this, and really just boggles my mind as they introduce this character, Jeremy Goober. I'm not making that up. His name is Jeremy Goober. It's great. See, this is this is something that I feel like like Al Pacino was involved in his naming. Yeah, the the names in this movie are are that way. Do you want? I'll just. Do you want me to read some of these names? Yes, please. Uh, Kim Cummings. Oh, Shelley Barnes, Frank Parks. Frank Parks, I could get behind Frank a Frank Parks. Yeah, that's, Carol that's a, that's a Lynn Johnson, uh, Mike Stempt, John Forster. But then, all right, here's where it goes off. We have Guy LaForge, Jeremy Goober, 
Goober is a fantastic name. Johnny DeFranco. Janie and Joni Cates. Uh, and, like, there's there's Again. a handful more. There's also one character, which I, it really confused me. Did you catch um, Jeremy Goober's partner's name? Yeah, it's it's McTire, but it's one word, and it's his last name. Yeah. His name isn't McTire. It's, it's McTire. I saw it. I was like, oh, do they mean McIntyre? No. And I was yeah, like, no, oh, no, do they mean Mac, M-A-C-K, Tyre, yeah, like T-Y-R-E? Like, yeah. no. Special Agent McTire. Yeah. Um, these characters are introduced. Uh, Jeremy Cooper even lays out the, the plot of the movie where uh, where uh, what's it, John Forster is working with someone on the outside to cast doubt on his conviction to right. grant him a stay um, of execution. I think that it would have been better if he had not brought that up. Yeah. I think it would have been better if he just had the two options of copycat or, or he didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think bringing up that, that what actually happens is, is showing your hand, you know, well, it's, it's, it makes it less interesting. Also, they say in the last scene that she is a copycat. Like she's working with them to do the exact same thing. Right. So it's like, they, it's like half-assing both. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that, that I think it would have been better if it either not having that scene or just having it be just, just copycat, just he's innocent. Yeah. I think that would have been more effective again. Cause it just, it, 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 there's there's an element of like you want your audience in on it uh, to a certain degree, but like that's so obviously it's like okay, because like I don't think I necessarily would have thought of that as an option had they not said so, you know, if they had, if right. they hadn't been like okay, and which is which is actually pretty clever. I feel that that's actually pretty clever to be like oh there's other you know there's, there's somebody else doing this. That means there's a decent chance that he didn't do it. That right. creates good reasonable doubt. However. Yeah having been told about that being an option of that being a thing, it's like, Oh, okay. No, that is what is happening. Right. And so it's less interesting about like who's doing it. Exactly. Do you have an MVP? Uh, I mean, yeah, mine's, for sure. Mine's pretty straightforward. It's, it's Shelly. Oh, Shelly. Hell yeah. Shelly's the best. His assistant, he puts everything through his assistant because I'm not convinced in this movie, Al Pacino knows how to use a cell phone. <laughs> this is true. It's a main part of the movie, and at no point he can point, answer a cell phone, and that's it. He can answer a cell phone and call Shelly, even from yes. other people's cell phones. Yeah. So Shelly does know Shelly's number, but yeah. I guess that's his own office number. Yeah. <laughs> but what it, what ends up happening is like Shelly does literally everything for him mm -hmm. in 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 an incredible like like Very nice speedy. way because like she's she's capable, but she ends up being relegated to just kind of behind al pacino but she's the only character who like a behaves like a fucking human being yes um yeah b, except for her like, showing up at the office or at, at uh the one night stands place yeah i think she uh i think she told her to he told her to oh okay a lot of those things are actually like set up really well like i didn't realize that um i didn't realize my first go around that al pacino told his cop friend uh frank to meet him to meet him. To meet him at the Stern building? Yeah. He says, first of all, he says to meet him at his office at the time, Correct. 1140. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he gets there and it's the diversion from Kim calling him, he calls him immediately, leaves a voice message and says, hey, we're going there. We're going to the Stern building. St yeah. Going to the Stern building. Meet me there in five minutes. And it's actually like, it's it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, they set this up and they, they went through with it. That's cool. I wish I did, that I did they like that would have had more of that. Me too.
because they, they yeah like you said the the theme of having 88 minutes could have been fed to us in a much more satisfying right. and neat way yeah and i think the thing is too he didn't do anything another thing that i i'm just thinking about now is he was much more passive for his godly psychology powers like um like, he, he does, he tells other people to, like, look people up and stuff, but, like, in the end, it doesn't help. He literally is just guided by the nose to places. Yeah, he's he's led through this movie as the movie happens around him, and, right. like, at one point, he rolls out of the way of a, a fire truck, and mm-hmm. that's the only thing where his character has any effect on the movie. Yeah, um, it, it's it's honestly just that, and, like... And it's rough because it could have been better. And I think that, it again, it's a situation where they didn't go hard enough into that. Yeah. And they needed to make it, especially if they're going for that free will motif, if they're going for that, they should have made it more explicit that he wasn't in control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also make it less, again, more organic, the fact that he wasn't in control. I think that would have been more effective, A, as a torture method for, for the killer. Yeah, because... Uh, and B, as a story. Because, yeah, control and free will was definitely, like, it definitely could have been handled as a theme so much better. Right, exactly. Because I thought they were going to do something about, like, free will in the face of, you know, uh, in the face of relenting, unrelenting time and, you know, all these things. And I think it actually would have been really effective if, um, and again, you reach a certain point in in trying to fix a movie and that you kind of just are doing a new movie doing a different movie but yeah. having it so that he um is, is so if, if he's having all this unrelenting kind of for, like his his hand being forced by free will stuff you know or by lack of free will and then him making an active decision to not do something um and it actually having consequences as opposed yeah to what exactly actually, what i think that, that would have been better um is maybe there we're asking else? a little much of uh, the writer of fast and furious yeah is there is there anything else that, that you uh that you definitely did want to talk about. I mean, like I said, my uh, questions were mostly answered after the first watching. I, I had, you know, uh, did they foreshadow the ending with wannabe Julia Stiles? Yes, they absolutely did. The entire time, it was, it was, uh, the foreshadowing was well done, except for the parts that, you know, she was magic. Um, right, exactly. Where she, where she teleported around. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, those like, places she shouldn't have been. What's the deal with Guy LaForge? Uh, he was yep. just a red herring. Fuck you to the audience. So unnecessary. Um, you know what was really unnecessary? Hmm. The fact that she called him ex-boyfriend at first when she really just could have called her ex-husband and it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't have changed literally It would anything. just would have been clearer. And yeah. I think that a lot of this movie is that way. <laughs> yeah. Where what, you know... It overthinks. Yeah, it... I don't know if it assumes too much of its audience or if it just thinks itself like really smart, but it just doesn't work. Then like how old is Al Pacino's character? We talked about that. Did the state allow John Forster to seduce Lauren Douglas out of attorney client confidentiality? I don't know. Like the, the, there's, there's a scene that they didn't show that is yes, just there a hundred percent is a scene that they didn't show. I, just, I would guess that there's actually several deleted scenes that would actually have cleared up a lot. Yeah, yeah, but like that's that's what I'm thinking about is like there's there's a scene where they're just sitting together in a visitation booth, and he's going through 
how to plan these grisly murders to torture this one dude and no one said well, anything to, to get him out of prison too right that's kind of the idea no absolutely like i'm, I'm not i'm not questioning i guess his uh his motives i'm just questioning yeah. the literal logistics of it he's right to have right. this conversation while he's still hey. in prison like i'm, I'm imagining a very privilege. generic like he's in an orange jumpsuit and talking through the the window and saying like hey so here's how you tie this knot like yeah yeah uh, here's as a, as an eagle stout here's here's all these knots that you need to tie yeah do you think he like do you think they like he took like a shoelace and like showed her like or because he couldn't have been like google it because i mean like that was that was really early in seven yeah it's 2007 yeah it's just it (laughs) you know what i'm saying it just ends up being a lot missed they also made it seem like princess die was going to be a bigger part of it yeah yeah i agree that Um, that was that was part of their establishing of it being 1997 was the fact that it was their prince die had just died and then generally, it just it felt to me like most of the acting wasn't acting. I don't know. It wasn't great. It, like I said, I think that the budget for this movie went Pacino, mm-hmm. licensing for um, some of the music. Yeah, for for certain like very uh, you know time based songs. What's the word for like if something is just indic- indicative of a certain time period? Dated. Uh, Yes, but not as negative. Uh, it doesn't matter. I won't. Have, um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a not a negative way to say it. I think indicative of the time is yeah. is fine too. Um, so yeah, they and then everything else. Yeah. Uh, so uh, overall, I mean, the explosion was pretty big. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, and they and they they shot it like a fucking money shot where they showed it a couple times. Yeah. Um. Overall, though, I would say that this was an enjoyable movie exactly once. Yeah, uh, more than once. Definitely don't need to do it more than once. But yeah, it, it's it's a good one time around movie. And again, it's not going to blow your socks off. It's it's not going to change your world. It's 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 fun enough. Yeah, I have a feeling if I watched this movie expecting it to be a so bad it's good movie, it would be that for me. Right. Coming into this movie, I knew nothing about it, and I watched it as just a really, uh, a really just playing it straight. Really. Yeah. Um, and as a result, yeah, fresh. it just it ended up being this this super weird experience that I am glad that I had. Me too. Me too. I think it was a very good first uh, movie for this show. I think that it kind of embodies a lot of um, what we're looking for for when we say aggressively mediocre movies. Yeah. Uh, I, I really hope that we can find other movies that are this ambitious. Yes. Uh, so I think we're getting to the uh, to the end of the time that we kind of set up here. We could honestly go on for for hours about this movie in particular. Uh, Al Pacino really is the gift that keeps on giving. But uh, I just wanted to uh, to kind of wrap it up. Chris, can you summarize the movie? All right. Firstly, Princess Diana. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> Milk. Thirdly, Al Pacino scene. Absolutely. And to build off of that, there's some really interesting and ambitious topics that are brought up. Free will is introduced as a theme and then dropped for about 90% of the movie itself. Uh, the passage of time is something that's revisited. Only wish that it would have been uh, handled better. And then an interesting like analysis of a, a judicial system that belongs in a completely different movie than this. 
overall, Sounds what did you right. think of it? Overall, uh, it was a good good movie to watch, watch first time through. Uh, it's a little rough after that, but uh, overall, I would give it a rating of uh, eighty eight minutes out of a hundred. All right. Uh, yeah, that's it. So, that's about that's about fair. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, until the next time we watch a uh, aggressively mediocre movie, uh, we'll uh, see you around. See you around. <laughs>